0: Hi, this is Pastor David Cooper. Thank you for joining my podcast. I pray that the Word of God will be a blessing to you. I also want to ask you to share the podcast with others. Together, we can make an impact in people's lives as we introduce them to the Word of God. Thank you for your partnership and ministry of the Mount Perrin family and our outreach. I pray that the Word of God will be a blessing to you today. As we look at Bible prophecy and the return of our Lord, Let's consider what the Bible teaches about the great tribulation period right before his return. Christian missionary to India and author E. Stanley Jones said, bitterness comes to all, it sours some, sweetens others, I will use it to sweeten my spirit. We all face personal troubles, but this world is headed for prophetic trouble. Jesus foretold a time of such trouble coming to the world that it will be unequaled, at any other time in history. Scholars call it the great tribulation. Jesus described it this way. When he began to give signs of his coming, he talked about a great tribulation coming. For then there will be great distress, Jesus told his disciples, unequaled from the beginning of the world until now and never to be equaled again. If those days had not been cut short, no one would survive. But for the sake of the elect, those days will be shortened. Immediately after the distress of those days, the sun will be darkened, and the moon will not give us light, the stars will fall from the sky, and the heavenly bodies will be shaken. Then will appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. And then all the peoples of the earth will mourn when they see the Son of Man, Jesus, coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. That's Matthew 24 verses 21 through 30. And he gave those signs of his second coming, and he says, "There's coming a time of great distress." And then he says at the end of that time of great distress, he's going to return. The Son of Man is going to return. Great distress means great trouble or great tribulation. It is also called the time of Jacob's trouble in Jeremiah 30, verse 6 and 7. Isaiah called it the day of wrath in Isaiah 26, verse 20 through 21. Daniel describes it as what we call the 70th week of Daniel. Now, scholars believe that the great tribulation period will last for only seven years, and that is based on Daniel's prophecy, which he gives 70 sevens. A prophetic week is seven years. Sixty-nine of those sevens of his prophecy have already been fulfilled in the first coming of Jesus, but there's one week that he talks about that's different. That would be one prophetic week of seven years, and that is the passage in Daniel where we believe this tribulation will last only for seven years. So what will happen during the great tribulation period before Jesus returns? What's going to happen in church history? How is it going to culminate in the end? Well, there are several qualities that we can see in the Bible about the tribulation period that lead up to the second coming of Jesus. And we're seeing these trends already developing in our times. First of all, there's going to be the rise of globalism and the Antichrist kingdom, global economy, religious intolerance. Totalitarian politics will be the order of the day when the Antichrist rises to power and tries to get the world under his control. The Antichrist never gains total control of the whole world, but he does control many nations, and he gains great influence over the world. The Antichrist is called the beast out of the sea in Revelation 13.1. The Antichrist specifically in 1 John 2 verse 18, and he's also called the man of lawlessness in 2 Thessalonians 2 and 3. Listen to the way the book of Revelation describes the Antichrist's influence over the global world system. He, the Antichrist, was given authority over every tribe, people, nation, and language, Revelation 13, 7. So the whole world is my point. Globalism suffers from the Antichrist tyranny during the tribulation period. And more and more, we see ourselves moving toward globalism. It'll never work. It never does work. But that becomes the trend of the last days, and that sets up the stage for the Antichrist to govern religion and politics and economics. Second of all, in the Great Tribulation, there's going to be a centralization of religion and economics, the same way that totalitarian governments have done that throughout history. We see that in communist countries, especially of the past. Cuba, for example, Russia, the old Soviet Union, in any of these communist countries, they lockdown down a religion. They have state-sponsored religion. Churches have to register with the government, only allowed to do certain things. They control economics. All nations do that. But we're going to see that on a global scale in the last days and certainly in the tribulation period of the Antichrist empire. The false prophet partners with the Antichrist. We see in the book of Revelation, he promotes the Antichrist agenda. He influences people to worship the Antichrist instead of the anointed Christ Jesus. And to worship means to pledge your loyalty. How many people are looking to politicians instead of God to their source of help? John sees this beast come out of the earth that accompanies the beast out of the sea, which is the Antichrist. In Revelation chapter 13, verse 11 through 18, he describes this other beast out of the earth. He partners with the beast, the Antichrist. He issues a mark of the beast which means loyalty to the Antichrist, and it's used to control economics. The mark of the beast is known by that number 666, the number of man, Revelation 13, verse 18. So the Great Tribulation period is going to be a time of global religious control and global economic system to control what people can buy and sell and to limit commerce. Third of all, in the tribulation, there's going to be increased persecution. And Jesus, in giving the signs of the times in his return, talked about greater persecution of his people. He prophesied, then you'll be handed over to be persecuted and put to death. You'll be hated by all nations because of me. But the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. Matthew 24, verse 9 and verse 13. The Christian church has always been persecuted. The people of God, Israel, who are closely aligned with the church in the scripture in the New Testament. The church, consisting of Jew and Gentile alike, we see Israel today being persecuted by the nations around. A religious persecution. Christians have always suffered great persecution today around the world. Christians in communist countries under certain Islamic regimes that have no religious freedom. I've known ministers personally who've been imprisoned for their faith in Pakistan and Iran. Missionaries that we support when they send us updates, can never put their image on the screen or their name for fear of being persecuted by these tyrannical governments. Jesus said that persecution is going to intensify in the great tribulation period. In Revelation chapter 6, John sees the seven-sealed scroll that describes things that are going to happen in coming history in the church age. He sees under the fifth seal the souls of the martyrs under the altar crying, How long, O Lord, until you avenge our blood, our death, our martyrdom? John the Revelator sees a religious system in the Great Tribulation period under the Antichrist control called Mystery Babylon the Great. It's the Antichrist religious system. It persecutes any other religion. It persecutes Christians alive at that time. He says of that Antichrist system, Mystery Babylon the Great, says that describes her as this harlot, the source of abominations in that image, in that vision. But he says she's drunk with the blood of the saints, the blood of those who bore to the testimony of Jesus, Revelation 17 and 5. Fourth of all, the great tribulations is going to be a time of global disturbances and violence. Jesus said that we would see wars and rumors of wars and famines and earthquakes in various places in Matthew 24, 6, and 7, and these are going to intensify in the great tribulation period. Daniel tells us that wars and desolations have been decreed until the end in Daniel 9 and 26. John sees a vision of an army numbering 200 million soldiers march across the earth in the Great Tribulation period, toward the Battle of Armageddon in Revelation 19 and 16. No matter how many peace treaties that have been negotiated throughout history, they've nearly all been violated. No matter how much our politicians talk about peace, and they should talk about peace, the fact of the matter is the sinfulness of humanity and people in authority will wage war. I heard a comedian and talk show host make a comment about war. I've even listened to his personal story when he grew up in a Catholic environment and had a family member who got sick and died, and one of those people that got bitter toward God. He's always talking about religion, claims to be an atheist, always talking about God, even though he claims to be an atheist. But he made a statement one time, and I thought, well, that's factually and historically not true. He said, all wars are started by religion. That's not true. Wars are started by the love of money. People want to access property and resources. That's What starts war is greed, and wars are going to continue until the end, and they'll culminate in the last of all great wars, the Battle of Armageddon. Fifth of all, the great tribulation period will be a time of worldwide revival in the last days. This is the most amazing sign, and we're living in the fulfillment of this sign even today. When Jesus gave the signs of the times and talked about his second coming, he gave us the greatest sign, and we are seeing it today really because of worldwide technology and media. We are able to preach the gospel all over the world, but Jesus says in Matthew twenty-four, fourteen, when he gave the signs of the times, and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come the end of the age. And the word end there means the goal of history, God's ultimate plan. It Does not mean the destruction of the world. The Bible does not teach that the world is going to be destroyed, that the world is going to be restored. The end there does not mean the end of the world, like the obliteration of the planet. The Bible does not teach that. The end there is the word goal in the Greek language, to reach God's ultimate purpose. John, the apostle, sees the same last days revival in the tribulation period. He says, then I saw another angel. The word angel means a messenger flying in midair. And he had the eternal gospel to proclaim to those who live on the earth, to every nation, tribe, language, and people. He said in a loud voice, fear God and give him glory because the hour of his judgment has come. Worship him who made the heavens, the earth, the sea and the springs of water. Revelation 14, 6 and 7. As I read that passage, I I wonder if the angel flying in midair is not a satellite that orbits the earth as we have today broadcasting the gospel of Jesus to the world. Six of all, the great tribulation period will be a time of God's judgment to be unleashed on the Antichrist kingdom. The judgment of God will reach its zenith at the battle of Armageddon and the second coming of Jesus Christ. John describes the judgments of the tribulation with these seven trumpets that bring judgments that are reminiscent of the plagues of Egypt, the hail, the fire, the Nile that turned into blood, the destruction of the waters. But when you look at all those seven trumpet judgments sounded by these seven angels in Revelation chapter seven and eight, here's the bottom line and the greatest truth of those judgments Summed up in Revelation 10 verse 7. But in the days when the seventh angel is about to sound his trumpet, the mystery of God will be accomplished, just as he announced to his servants, the prophets. In other words, the judgments of God found in the book of Revelation on this world are bringing to completion God's plan for the world. And after the seven trumpet judgments we read about in Revelation, we read about seven more judgments. They're, they're almost identical to the seven trumpets, but they're, they're in greater intensity, they're called seven bowls of wrath that the angels pour out on the earth. The word wrath means God's displeasure. After the bowls of wrath are complete, though, we read these words. The seventh angel poured out his bowl into the air and a loud voice came from the throne in heaven saying, it is done. Revelation sixteen seven. Listen to those words. It is done. That's the same shout of victory. Jesus came from the cross when he said, it is finished. You see, God will finish in Revelation what he started in the book of Genesis. And remember this about God's judgment and God's punishments and God's discipline. They're always intended to save us and redeem us, never to destroy us. Seventh of all, we see a last day's tragedy. This is the saddest statement about the great tribulation period the end of the age, and even the times in which we're living. It tells us in the book of Revelation that even though the gospel is going forth, even though there are judgments and people can see the effects of sin in the world, that many people refuse the gospel of Jesus. Just like they did in Noah's day when the flood came out. Noah warned the people the flood was coming told them they could be saved, but they just carried on with life as usual and ignored him. And Jesus said, as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Now listen to how John, the book of Revelation, tells us that even though the gospel is going forth, even though judgments are coming in the world as they did in Egypt, so many people refuse the hope that could be theirs. The book of Revelation tells us the rest of mankind that were not killed by these plagues still did not repent of the work of their hands. They did not stop worshiping demons and idols of gold, silver, bronze, stone, and wood, idols that cannot see, hear, or walk, nor did they repent of their murders, their magic arts. The phrase magic arts there is pharmakeia in the Greek, and it means to be enchanted with drugs. How we see so many people today enchanted with drugs, even leading some people into occultism. They did not repent of their murders, their magic arts, their sexual immorality, or their thefts. Revelation chapter 9, verse 20 and 21, of all the things that happened in the last days that are signs of them. Uh, invitations to accept Christ, invitations to receive eternal life. It says they refuse to repent. Revelation 16 and 21, at the end of those seven bowls of wrath, it says instead of turning to God to save them, they cursed God. What tragic words. People could praise God. They could worship God. They could trust God. But their hearts were so hard, it says they cursed God. C.S. Lewis, the great Christian teacher and author, made this tragic statement. There are only two kinds of people in the end. Those who say to God, thy will be done. And those to whom God says in the end, thy will be done. All who are in hell choose it. Lewis is saying it's the people that resist grace, that forfeit the grace that could be theirs. They're the ones who forfeit the blessing of eternal life. And whatever hell may mean, it means forfeiting the eternal life. That could be ours. You see, God's will is that every person be saved, saved from sin, saved for eternal life. The Apostle Peter reminds us in 2 Peter 3 verse 9, He, God, is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. And as we close this talk about the great tribulation period, I want to give a final word to us, God's people. We should never be afraid of the tribulation in this world or the tribulation to come. For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. 1 Thessalonians 5, 9. Remember that God did not appoint us to suffer wrath. Whatever wrath is coming to this world, whatever wrath is happening now in our generation, the consequences of our own human sin, God did not appoint us to suffer wrath. We are saved from wrath through him, Romans 5 and 9 says. But we're going to receive salvation and deliverance through our Lord Jesus Christ. One day this world will be judged. But remember 1 John 4, 17. We have confidence on the day of judgment. We are born again in Christ. Jesus took our judgment on the cross. So we have confidence on the day of judgment. We live in no fear of judgment because we are in Christ and Christ is in us. So while we're living today in a world of conflict, there is a great tribulation coming at some point in history. There is an antichrist, and at the end of that, a battle of Armageddon and the return of our Lord. And we live in a world of great conflict today, and people are very worried about things they see going on in the world. But I want you to remember that our God is in control. Remember, at the end of those seven bowls of wrath in that vision, he hears the voice of God say, it is done, it's complete. God is going to finish his plan in history. And I want you to know as a believer today that God is going to complete his plan and purpose in your life as well. Let's join together in prayer. Father, we thank you for your word. I, I pray that you'll give us insight into the word. As we look into the future, they may not even affect any of us. We see these signs being fulfilled today. And we do pray for our friends and our family today that all will be saved. We pray that you'll use us as a light shining in a darkened world to give the world hope in Christ. In your holy name we pray. Thank you for joining me. If you'd like to know more about becoming a Christian or you want to help your family and friends, I want you to go online and get my book. It's a small book, but it is packed with great truths called Fresh Chart. It'll help you understand what it means to be born again, how to follow Jesus as Lord of your life. You can get some copies for your family and friends. You can share it with them online as well. But be an evangelist as I seek to be one as well, to bring people the good news that Jesus saves. And let me encourage you to get your family and friends to listen to this Bible study into my messages. Get them to subscribe to my sermon podcast. People are interested in the future, and now is a great time to share these teachings with them to help lead them to Christ as well and to give them hope in this life. Thank you for your gracious and generous partnership in ministry. I pray for you and your family every day. Our pastoral team, we faithfully pray for you, and we're here to serve you and your family any way that we can. Sunday's coming. I'm looking forward to seeing you in worship. We have a great Sunday planned. I trust that you'll be with us. Invite somebody to go to church with you this Sunday on campus or online. God bless you. Have a great day. Thank you for joining me today as we've shared together the Word of God. Let me ask you to download the Mount Perrin Church app today so that we can stay connected and you can see all the great services and resources available for you and your family. Follow me on social media and also the Mount Perrin Church family. I look forward to seeing you in church to worship on campus and online. God bless you. Have an incredible day.